morning. Today we begin uh, what will be a five-week sermon series that follows along with the chapters of a book called Life Together by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And there are several ways to engage that book outside of the sermon series, and I'd encourage you to think about that. Um, the nice thing about this series is you won't have to have read the book to stay with the sermons, but I think they'd be a nice compliment to one another, and if you'd like to purchase the book, you can do so in our Christian Formation Office or, of course, online on your own. So today we begin that series. Let us pray. Shatter the silence, mighty God, with your glad and glorious greetings. Banish all our fears and give us faith in Jesus Christ, the risen Lord. If there is anything said from this pulpit that is against your will, let it come to naught and do no harm. But if there is anything said from this pulpit that is according to your will, let it be heard, as if sung by the voice of angels, that hearing we might believe, and believing, obey. Amen. Now, let's take a little bit of cad yellow here. And I think today we'll do a picture that maybe it's like we're walking through the woods. Let's start right here with a little bit of cad yellow. With the least little touch of green in it. And we'll add a little bit more of the green color and we'll begin by making little X's. Just like so, like we're working it around. And that, in his classic style, was how Bob Ross began his very first painting called A Walk in the Woods in his public television series, The Joy of Painting. Do you know who Bob Ross was? I hope most of you do. Bob Ross, I'll have you know, is known for a whole lot more than his hypnotizing voice and his transcendently curly hair. <laughs> He's known for saying, we don't make mistakes, we just have happy little accidents. <laughs> then as he repaired his error, that'll be our little secret. He's known for his affection for trees. Let's build a happy little cloud. Let's build some happy little trees. There's nothing wrong with having a tree for a friend, he would say. Once, though, he made a tree and he said, that's a crooked tree. We'll send him to Washington. <laughs> but I'll always remember how Bob Ross would start his picture he would whitewash this canvas and then put a base of some color or another. Then with the edge of his brush, he would start in and he would make a mark like, who knows, maybe a branch of a tree or the side of a hill. Now if you stopped him right there, you wouldn't have much of anything, right? You'd have a squiggle. You wouldn't have a picture at all. He knew where it was going. But the common viewer just had to trust the brush strokes, you know. Random as they seemed, the viewer had to trust that they were headed towards beauty. 
We trusted Bob Ross when he painted. We trusted that those brush strokes, as they drew us in, as they captivated us, as we paid attention, we trusted, we believed that what he was doing was not random, but intentional and ultimately beautiful. How much more is it with God? How much more is it with God? See, this is how I think we can begin to think of our life as a community as we consider Bonhoeffer's life together over the next few weeks. See, we can attend worship in a sanctuary, and we will, at 8, at 9.15, at 11, twice a month we have worship at 5.30 p.m. on Sunday evenings. We will worship together, and we can call that community. We can get together for events like the picnic or in small groups for Bible studies. We can get together like that and we can call it community. We can even help one another. We can do service projects. We'll have that big November challenge again this year, that service challenge. And when we do all of that, we can call it community. But first and foremost, a Christian community is that group of people that gathers around the brush strokes, a people committed to leaning in and trusting that though things may seem to be random at the moment, there is something much bigger. There is a bigger picture in the works, that God is up to something. Community isn't something that we create then. It's something born from the group of us tuning in to God's ongoing work of art. That is how we will be a community. If we're paying attention to the brushstrokes and tuning in to God's ongoing work of art, Bonhoeffer says Christian community is not an ideal that we have to realize, but rather a reality created by God in Christ, which we may participate in. The only trouble is, we've seen how Bob Ross completes his painting, haven't we? He manages somehow to accomplish that over and over again in the 28 minutes allowed to him by public television. He gets it done, and there it is, the completed painting. And so as a result, those who watch him regularly are able to pick up on things, and they can even predict where he's going earlier and earlier in the show. But when it comes to Christian community, we have yet to see what God's ultimate picture looks like. And so it's more difficult for us to get engaged in the earlier brush strokes, right? It's difficult for us to predict where that color and where that shadow is actually going. We want to see that bigger picture, and we haven't yet. Because if we saw that bigger picture, we could predict and we could get excited about the brush strokes 
that we see God offering to us in this world. We'd like to see, we have actually seen that bigger picture though. When we read the writings of John of Patmos in the book of Revelation, we're given a fuzzy and confusing image of that bigger picture. John says he was in the spirit when he was told to write letters to the churches with vivid imagery. He writes this abstract painting in the book of Revelation. He writes this abstract painting giving us this picture of where we will end up. If you read Revelation, you will quickly be hoisted around by beasts and horns and fire, and you'll be swept away by angels and swords. And that's why lots of times people set it to the side and say, I'm really not interested in all of that today. Either that or they totally abuse the book, one or the other. But do you know what grabbed me this time in studying this scripture? It's not the beasts and the horns and the fire or even the angels and the swords. It was the voice. The voice itself, the voice that held the bigger picture. And where did that voice come from? Did you hear where the voice came from as you listened to the text read? In today's text, in the 10th verse, it says, I heard a voice behind me, and it sounded like a trumpet, which begs the question, for a bigger glimpse of the bigger picture before us, do we need to turn around and look behind? If you've ever been in one of my Bible studies, you've probably heard me talk about this before. I, was ha I had the opportunity to listen to uh, Brian Blunt, who is the president of Union Presbyterian Theological Seminary, and he's a New Testament scholar, and particularly a scholar on the book of Revelation, and he was talking about how churches need to do a better job of considering eschatology, that is, giving uh, attention to the bigger picture that's going to happen at the end of time. And he says that churches need to pay attention to that bigger picture and set their eyes on what's going to happen at the end of time, not so that we can be escapists and be overly concerned with getting out of this world and onto our heavenly home. In fact, he says we should be concerned about the bigger picture and the end time picture so that we will better invest and engage and enjoy the brushstrokes that are happening right here in today's world, how God is up to something, creating something on his canvas even now. And we can do that, according to Blunt, because we actually have seen the bigger picture. We've had a glimpse of what's going to happen at the end of the timeline. And we've seen what's going to happen at the end of the timeline in Jesus. In Jesus, Blunt says, God has turned the timeline backwards. What happened in his life, how people were made whole by his compassion, how justice was made by his sacrifice, how the broken world was saved by his resurrection, that is where we will one day end up in completion. There is a voice about the future. And it's coming from behind us, 2,000 years behind us. In Jesus, we see where all this is headed. 
In Jesus, we get to see where the brushstrokes of God's work today, all of that is headed toward. In Jesus, we have seen the bigger picture, the picture that God is creating in our world. And this is where Bonhoeffer would have us start. He says, in the period between the death of Christ and the day of judgment, when Christians are allowed to live in visible community with other Christians, that's all of you, all of us, we have merely a gracious anticipation of the end time. We are at our best then when we commit to remembering and gathering around what Jesus looked like as a leader, as a savior, as a servant, as a healer. Because then when we see a brushstroke, when we see some movement of God in today's world, we don't see it as something random or senseless. We see it with eyes of faith. We see how it contributes to the bigger end time picture. Okay, that's a lot of theology. But here's the thing, it matters. Think about a friend. Think about someone in your life, maybe a spouse. The day you met them, maybe you didn't like them at all. Maybe they really put you off. Maybe they were having a terrible day and they were grumpy and you returned the favor. But now years later, you have this amazing painting, right? That you've created with one another in your lives. If you knew today, if you knew what you knew today back then, wouldn't you have approached them differently? Think about someone at work, someone that drives you crazy or drove you crazy when you first met them. Maybe, wanted, maybe made you want to quit your job. None of my staff, I'm sure, but maybe, maybe made you want to quit your job. But now there's something special between you. You can't imagine the picture without them. If you knew today, you knew what you knew today back then, wouldn't you have approached them differently? Wouldn't you have tried to connect in a different way? I can remember in my first church I preached this terrible sermon. It was awful. It was so bad that I don't want to tell you about it. Most people, you know the thing is, when you preach a terrible sermon, you have to stand at the end of the doorway anyway. You still have to stand there. <laughs> and the people walk out and they shake your hand. And most times they're nice and they, they just kind of lower their head. And, <laughs> and, uh, or you'll get better. I got that a couple times that day. <laughs> But there was this one woman, her name was, let's call her, Shelly. Shelly, oh, she did not like that sermon. <clears throat> and she let me know about it in an email. And man, she was not looking to be constructive in any way, shape, or form. She was trying to break me. And she did a little bit. I mean, I'm telling you this story years later. A few months uh, after that fateful sermon, I received a call from a teenager who had received a, a difficult diagnosis and she had a biopsy and she wanted me to come to the hospital and pray with her. 
And so I did the next morning at 6 a.m. And I met her and her mother and her father and her aunt, Jelly. <laughs> now over the next several years, that family and I journeyed a very difficult road together. A difficult road that ultimately led to the death of that teenager. And I'll remember sitting around that bedside with her mother and her father and her Aunt Shelley and the way that we just were as a community, the way we loved one another. And I have to imagine that if she <coughs> knew what we would one day become, she would never have written that email. She would never have treated me that way. This is why the theology is important. Because if we know what's going to happen someday, how we will be together someday, it's going to change how we are with one another today, correct? And we know how we will be with one another someday because we've seen how we will be together someday. We've seen how we will be together someday in the person of Jesus Christ. And if you know that, doesn't it make you wanna be more like him today? Doesn't it make you want to be more like him today? Like Bob Ross said, you can create beautiful things, but you have to see them in your mind first. If we can see in our minds that bigger picture, and we can if we look back at that voice behind us, the one that belongs to Jesus, if we can see in our minds that bigger picture, we're going to pick up the brush strokes, these not-so-random brush strokes that God is painting on the canvas of our lives. And if we pick up on those brush strokes and we get excited about them and we live into them, well, then our community, our life together really can be something quite beautiful. Amen. <laughs>